I'm Stephen John Drew from Better Podcasting, a podcast about podcasting, part of the Gunna Geek Network. Just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find fantastic geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen, Chris, and SP. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Novembus! I am Steven, and I'm pleased to say Chris is here! Double, double toil and draw wrong season crap. <laughs> and SP is here as well. When does It's a Wonderful Life come out? It's not the holidays until I see Steven's holiday display and watch It's a Wonderful Life. Yes, and I just noticed that on our solo shots tonight, the... Uh, the chat bar is all messed up, but that's okay. We'll roll with it because I really don't feel like fixing it right now. I mean, you're never going to fix it. Well, maybe, that maybe, a, that maybe I'll look fix behind it as the we curtain go. for everyone. <laughs> all right. We're here with another episode of the official going to geek show. This is the last one of 2023. We'll be back sometime in January as the rest of the back half of the year has been, or most of the year. We'll let you know the date later. That's just the way it is. But we are here doing our final 2023 episode. That's why we got our full festivities on on November 13th. Yes, it's not like I just pulled a hat out of the desk drawer where I put it last year after we finished recording the Christmas special. We are <laughs> not prepared. At all like I did that. We are totally prepared. And then also, we're not saying January of what year. We're coming back. Could That's be a good 2024, point. could be 2025. You didn't specify, and I'm not be, going to. Could be 2030. I also didn't say which Just one saying. of us were going to be back. For all I know, we could be a royal we, somebody else picking up the mantle from us. Who knows? Yeah. Who's our young yeah. Avengers? I think it's time to sell the franchise. <laughs> hey, in the chat, we've got Suncast saying movie theater has It's a Wonderful Life showing next month. So there you go. We could, you could go check out a movie theater and go on a double date with Suncast SP. Nope. <laughs> that was very fast. <laughs> that was fast. I'm a little disappointed. I, I have a whole fanfic written about you two. There is a whole bunch of legal documentation out there that states we cannot be on the same celestial body. So why the heck would we be in the same movie theater together? It's funny. Celestial body is part of the fanfic too. That's, in fact, Stephen's pen name. <laughs> All right, let's just do some news. <laughs> All right, I'll kick off the news with something smart home related. I know this one's super exciting. I know this is one that Chris Farrell and SP were both super excited to hear about. It is about my cue. For those of you that didn't know this, Chamberlain, the uh, the official, um, I don't know. I was going to come up with some witty uh, sponsor joke, but I we don't have sponsors. But it's Chamberlain, the garage door making company that has been around for a long time. They got into the smart garage doors a while back with the whole MyQ line. MyQ was their smart garage door. And um, they they were happy to tout that they could have uh, uh, an offering of the smart home. Well, guess what? They have officially basically crippled it. And, and why I say that is because they have been slowly shutting off services over the last couple of years. And then recently they turned off, quote, unauthorized access, end quote, to APIs, which basically broke everybody using the API that wasn't the app. They were people who were like Home Assistant and HomeBridge. They, they no longer had access to that because it was unauthorized access, as they were calling it. And this came after the HomeKit integration was, was uh, killed last year, as well as Google Assistant support was recently, I think it was three months ago, was recently removed. I don't know actually about the Amazon A word one. I'm assuming that that's also gone. Maybe not. But the bottom line is that there is very 
meaningful, very little meaningful ways now to use the Chamberlain MyQ app for the smart garage door other than through their app, which is disappointing. Or a Tesla. Or a Tesla. Okay, it's a Tesla too. But this they is... They partnered with them. This is like such um, a backwards move. We've seen in recent years in the smart home world, people being like, I want to be able to do more. I want to have a, a smart speaker of some form and I want things integrated in that. Or more advanced users go, I want to have this home assistant thing or this home bridge thing. I want to have this general central thing. And and Chamberlain's general like... General central. <laughs> and Chamberlain's all like, nope. Use our app and our app only, basically. So yeah, there we go. That's lots of fun. If you already have that, which I'm glad neither of you do, uh, you know that your service is a lot more limited. Weren't they charging people to use Ift at one point in time too on top of Ift's fee? Maybe, I think. Funny enough, I was just using mine today. Why? Oh, what? Because... Wait, wait, you have a MyQ garage door opener? This is shocking. This is news to me, SP. Really? I've had it for like a couple of years. We talked about it before. That was sarcasm. I absolutely okay. knew. That <laughs> did not up. sound like sarcasm. So it's anyway, yeah, I was just using it today. And normally I have the garage door openers in the car, so I don't have to worry about it. I actually gave one to all three of the kids. One kid managed to lose it so or throw it away or whatever. That's okay. It's his problem, not mine. But the thing is. I brought a car in for service today, drove it to the service dealer and to get new tires on it. And they said, oh, SP, you're such a valuable customer. We'll get this done sometime today. Here, take this car. Now, it was a used car. It was a brand new car. It was a Mazda 3 with 95,000 miles on it and no backup camera. But, you know, it was wheels. I didn't have to stay there. So I said, thank you very much. And I left and I got home. And because I was working from home and I, I got home, I'm like, rats, I left the garage door opener in the car, but I had my phone with me. So I just brought up the app and boop, got in. So that's the way I use it. I actually think it would be a little bit dangerous. Maybe, maybe this is why they're cutting off the interactivity with other things like the A word or Apple home kids or, you know, whatever. Oh, whatever home assistant you have, it, it can be a little dangerous because if you have somebody that's just opening and closing it verbally without checking, making sure that there's nothing in there. I actually don't have a camera on my actual uh, garage door opener, but I did place another camera inside the garage looking out at it so I can see if there's any obstacles or any kids playing, any pets that might be in danger, that sort of thing. So. I think you have to be careful when it comes to garage doors. Now, garage door supposed to have safeties, both with the cameras back and forth and with just pressure sensitivity, right? doesn't always work. So you get you just got to be careful when it comes to these things. And I think maybe that's why they don't want to get sued. I Money. It's money. 100% money. Because they said that they ended up coming and saying that um, after a bunch of who... Uh, I was saying the wrong word. I was going to say hoopla came out, but that's the wrong word. But after a bunch of the, these problems, hubbub. hubbub, thank you, came out, uh, they ended up coming back and saying that the unauthorized access to its API was creating high traffic and, quote, at times constituted a substantial D DDoS event that consumed high quantities of resources, end quote. Basically, the DDoS happened because their API allowed too much access happening for the amount of uh server that they were willing to pay for that's that's the way you can read that okay. because we all hit our garage <laughs> buttons at the same time just to screw them over i think that they probably my guess is they didn't want to invest in modifying the api to restrict calls because anybody with a uh, half decent thought about apis goes you can only call it so often. And so what probably happened was, you know, to their credit, there probably was a lot of like home assistant or home bridge calls happening because of the way that the people who wrote the plugins or integrations all, all did it. Chamberlain should have had a thing on their side that restricted that. Like, that's the way I when I see these sort of things, I go, come on, put some some traffic uh, regulation in there, like some throttling. You got to. 
you got to own some of that. But for them, they're just like, oh, let's just close it instead. But maybe they wanted to close it on to other people, like SP said. <laughs> I mean, if I was installed in Steven's garage, that's what I would constantly try to do. Is he right there? <laughs> Drop it right now. Uh, you you got to time it with the lag of the camera, just a slight lag. <laughs> I mean, over time, I'd get it right. <laughs> well, I mean, SP, I do hope that your Chamberlain garage door opener continues to work because they have been doing a bunch of restrictions. A series, this is the latest of a series of restrictions, and I hope that that doesn't mean they're going to go away with it altogether. I mean, I, I've been using it through the app. I haven't been using it with anything. I, mean, I don't know if, since I got the garage door opener, if there's ever been uh, connectivity with the A word. Mm. Uh, which is what I use for a home assistant. So I've just been using it with the app and just using it like another opener, except for I have it with me all the time. And it's, you might think, oh, you've got a keypad on the outside that's lazy once you go out and just do the keypad. Well, when it's icy and yeah. rainy and cold <laughs> and windy, I'm like, I just want to get in the garage without getting out of the car. Can we do this, please? Can we not annoy SP? Can we not give SP some more frostbite? Thank you, Minnesota. I want to call out another use case that you have done on multiple times. And I know this because you sent us video from the inside is when you're getting a delivery and you're out, you've actually opened the garage door for them to put it in. This is this is something that is a legitimate good use case. So you know what? Wasn't it Amazon that partnered yep. with MyQ yep. to have that still service that was for verified deliveries and stuff? They could open your garage door to put stuff in and then but put it. But it wasn't back through down. the home kit. It was through it was through, through Amazon's My, cloud stuff. It was through the MyQ. Yeah. Amazon yeah, Cloud. It went through their MyQ. service. Yeah. Yeah. That and if I have <laughs> I am that guy. So if I have kids playing in my driveway and it's just setting off my my cameras, one way to get rid of them, open the door. I don't <laughs> care where I am. I could, could be uh, uh, somewhere around the world, somewhere else in the United States. The kids are setting off the cameras by riding their scooters, their bikes up and down the driveway. I'm like, I just don't want these notifications anymore. And I don't want to silence the notifications because if something happens and I'm not home. I want to be able to see. So I'll open the garage door and they scatter. They scatter fast and they don't come back. I like that you have created that in your neighborhood. I am very jealous of that, SP. Well, you know, I don't have the remote sprinklers like you do. So <laughs> I know you've done that one. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a shame they blocked API access. Or you could just write a script that basically says, hey, if there's enough triggering when I'm in away mode, open the door for 30 seconds, then shut it. <laughs> I guess I was going to say, if I'm mowing the lawn, I'm going to set it off a lot too. Yeah. The, the, the away mode would get that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why you got to get detailed tracking. If SP is mowing the lawn and doing this pattern back and forth in the yard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that being said, there are some third party smart garage door opening services and stuff you can get, but yeah. I have never gotten into it because I don't know if I necessarily want to smartify access to my house. I would love to do it if I could just make it so only voice commands would work for locking and not unlocking. I will die on the hill that a smart lock without the key is is far safer than any lock that you can get that is not smart. I will die on what, that hill. What hill is... What's that hill called? Uh, um, the smart Stephen hill? hill? I don't know. The, but the Stephen? Okay. Because Stephen, do you have a big plate of glass in your front door like most people do or a window right next to your front door but that's exactly my point is you know yeah, is, it doesn't is the traditional ways that people break in that's why yeah. I, I don't care it does, about that doesn't but, matter but i was my dad put it my dad always put it locks are for honest people all it's going to do is slow down someone who's sort of honest if someone really wants in they're getting in yeah no i 100 percent agree with with that thought process and i will say this i actually had a z-wave um smart door opener um, but I started to have some weird issues with it um, causing causing issues with my Z-Wave network. And I was like, oh, I'll just disconnect this for now. I'll come back to it. And I never came back to it yet. So you can see how much I used mine. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next news point, which, Chris, I can't believe that after all of these years, you didn't know about Netflix games. I really didn't. I'll be honest. There was an announcement this week that I was scrolling through my typical news articles. I read at the end of the day and I went, 
Netflix gaming news? What the hell does this mean? And yeah, I didn't know Netflix has games you can play on it and like legitimate ones. And I guess I found out why I don't know is I primarily consume my Netflix content on either my PC or on my Android TV box. And I don't see these games because they only display when you're playing on in playing videos rather on things like an iPhone, Android phone, tablet, things like that. But yeah, there's a there's a boatload of games they announced. And I, I was shocked. And I'm going to go reference an article from Polygon.com where they say Netflix has been investing heavily into gaming over the past few years in its continued effort to become the Netflix of everything. In addition to acquiring, building, and making new game studios, nabbing big name talent, moving into cloud gaming, the streamer has been making a concerted effort to make the Netflix app a competitive destination for subscription-based mobile gaming. I had no idea. I didn't feel so bad about not having any idea when I saw this next statistic. Less than 1% of all Netflix users take advantage of the Netflix gaming service. So I am not alone. I'm part of the 99% in this regard of not knowing there was gaming and not taking use, making use of it. It blew my mind. Blew my mind. I, I'll confess. I was just, just goating you because I absolutely... And I said goat with it to you just for fun. Uh, I I didn't know about this either. So I honestly had no clue until you put this in this, this document here. I mean, why it's interesting is they just announced a bunch of new games and content that would be coming to Netflix. And some of it is really good games, like the remastered edition of Braid, which was a really good platforming game on Xbox to begin with. But they've also announced that one of the games coming to Netflix is one of my favorite games I played. It was 2020 game of the year for many people. Hades is coming to Netflix. If you're on an iOS device, you'll be able to play Hades through the Netflix app, which is an awesome roguelite game. If you haven't played it, it's amazing. If you have an iOS device and you haven't played it, just wait until it hits Netflix later this year. But it's legit a great indie game that's sold all over the place on all platforms. And now it's going to be on Netflix of all places. I just had no idea. And then I fired up my phone before we started recording the show just to go through and see what games are recognized on there because it's like the second thing down on the Netflix app when I pull it up on my phone or tablet. SP's got it up right now. Tomb Raider Reloaded, for instance, is one of the games on there. A remaster of World of Goo is on there. There's a Sonic game called Sonic Prime Dash. TMNT Shredder's Revenge is on there, which is a really good game. Oxenfree is on there. The sequel, Oxenfree 2, coming to Netflix. One of my favorite card games to play with people that I knew was an app and you could play online. Exploding Kittens is on there. And then there is a bunch of games that Netflix has built based off of their own intellectual property. So if you like Stranger Things, there's a bunch of Stranger Things games on there. If you like to play chess, they did a reskin of an existing chess game, it looks like, to call it, to name it after the Queen's Gambit. I, I had no idea. Now, maybe this makes me feel like 3% better about the fact that I'm still paying an absorbent fee for Netflix per month and they just raised my price again for the second time in like six months. But I might have to actually go and give some of these a try. And I kind of wish they were set up so that I could play them through my Android TV box and just pair a controller with it and be able to play Hades via Netflix on my streaming device. That would be pretty cool. 3% seems high. Suncast was asking in the chat room, is it primarily meant to be played on a mobile device? I can't imagine it being very usable from a TV. It doesn't show up on TV for me. Hmm. Like my understanding after reading about it is the only way you can access Netflix's game library is via a mobile device or a tablet device. It doesn't show up on my PC. It doesn't show up on my Apple TV or my Shield TV or even my Roku now that I think about it because I think I've, I've been on the Roku lately upstairs. So you can only play it on phones and tablets, it looks like at this point in time. And I had no idea. I wish there was a way they promoted it better. That being said, I have too many games for other platforms <laughs> I need to play. So I don't really see myself doing much than a cursory trial of it. And make, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. Moving on. And Netflix and Suncast saying, yeah, I'd explain why I've never seen it. You're much like me, I think, where you consume your Netflix on a television screen and not on a laptop, excuse me, not on a tablet or a cell phone. Evidently, that's the way to know. Evidently, I've aged out of the demographic and need to know these things. They're targeting the folks with the cell phones and tablets, not the people watching on their big flat screens. What can you do? I've been following this story for a couple of years, actually, where Netflix, once they went from the DVD delivery service to the streaming, they were like, hey, we can be the entertainment destination and we can throw a bunch of gaming apps on there. It's not like Steam. It's just 
more like the apps, right? That you get on your mobile device, really. That's the level of games that are there. And while I don't play them, I knew they were there. I think you could play a lot of these games just using the Roku remote, but you're not always going to be watching Netflix on a Roku. But I could see a Roku, definitely. There's enough buttons on the remote to be able to do it. (sighs) Um, uh, Pairing a controller, a game controller, with a ubiquitous box, like a Roku box, might be an issue. But just from the the interoperability standpoint, but yeah, I could see something like that. And that's what Roku, that's what Netflix wanted to do is they wanted to be not only the place to get your streaming shows and your movies, but also games. I think they were a little less interested in doing the live content and yeah, they've experimented with live and their, their debut was uh, disappointing to say the least where they had a bunch of problems, people actually getting to stream it. Yes, I did know about this. I just didn't use it because if I'm going to play a game, I'm going to play like Mass Effect or Starfield or, you know, one of the games that requires a a, a new game box, which, you know, Microsoft, Sony, saying sponsorship of Gunny Geeks, NSP, a new (laughs) Xbox, you know, that'd be nice. Maybe one with the DVD reader in it because, you know, that's what I like. So just saying that'd be nice. I'm just confused why they don't push it more because they made a point with like Samsung TVs like, hey, you can play Game Pass on here. Just pair a controller with your TV. It's baked in. Same thing with like any Android TV box. You can pair a Bluetooth controller with it within seconds. And the Apple TV box all works with any of the Bluetooth controllers out there. Even Joy-Cons off of a Switch. So it shouldn't be hard to do that. And Maybe it does work that when I've just never noticed it because very rarely when I do pair a controller with my Shield TV, I play stuff through either a side-loaded Game Pass app or some games I have through NVIDIA that I can stream on there. But again, it's a similar thing for me of when I'm playing and I want to play video games, I'm going to one of my other devices, be it the PS5, the Xbox, or the Switch because that's my primary place. I mean, I'm going to try it out at some point in time just for s and g's because i want to know how it works but other than that if you're on an ios but the mobile device more than likely you're just going to use an app there the only benefit i could see is you know if you give the device to a kid and you already have netflix and you don't have to pay for any of the apps right they're all free downloads i think that's the thought it's all part of your subscription so that it just makes you want to keep your netflix more it's the price raising that makes me not want to keep my Netflix more. I've been trying to go through all the Netflix series that I want to watch and get them done with so I can dump it because the price is rising too fast for me. Yeah. I think it's 28 bucks a month now for the 4k plan. It's insane. So ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Well, thanks for giving us a 0.5% reason to keep our Netflix still appreciate that. You're you're welcome. I'm here to help. <laughs> um, Ted Sarandos, I think that's who it is. There, you can send your check to me, courtesy of Gunna Geek, for promoting your product. Ted Danson, is that what you said? Yeah, we'll go with Ted Danson. <laughs> All right, what's going on in the world of the Marvels, SP? Yeah, well, I'm glad you mentioned Ted Danson because the Good Place is actually going to be a part of this. It's, it's going to be a, a journey. Walk with okay, me. Okay. All, right? all you need to know then, don't need to listen to the rest of SP's news point. Ted Danson is joining, joining the Marvel Universe. That's what you just said. Actually, I wouldn't be surprised if it happened at some cool. point in time, but that is not <laughs> what I said. So I have not seen the Marvels this weekend. Had a family emergency over the past week. Did not have a lot of free time to get out and see it. I'd wanted to go see out, out and see it. We are podcasting on the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. about it this coming Saturday, so I have to see it between now and then. But did y'all see how well it did in its opening weekend? Chris, Steven, did you see what the Marvels did this weekend? I saw, and then I saw the wrong elements of the internet celebrating it because they're taking the wrong lesson from it. Yeah. I thought that it was like 47 million. Isn't that what it was? That's right. 47 million, the lowest of the MCU, period, dot. So the superhero factory, according to AP News, 
hit a new low with the weekend launch of the Marvels, which opened with just $47 million, according to a studio estimates yesterday. The previous low for a Walt Disney Company-owned Marvel movie was Ant-Man, which bowed with $57.2 million in 2015. Otherwise, you have to go outside the Disney MCU to find such low starts for a Marvel movie. Releases like Universal's The Incredible Hulk with $55.4 million in 2008 and Sony's Morbius with $39 million. Morbius did $39 million? Jeez. It's Morbin time. <sighs> or, and that was in 2022, or 20th Century Fox's Fantastic Four reboot with $25.6 million in 2015. Okay, enough said there. All right. I have not seen the movie. Now, I know there is a lot of comic book politics involved, but I want to introduce another aspect to this discussion. Right. I don't think it's because it's a bad movie. Everybody that I talked to that went and saw the movie actually enjoyed the movie. Now, maybe that's just the subset of friends that I have that I get such feedback from, but I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it's from several reasons. And if you guys want to walk with me here, I have a couple laid out. Can we run? You can. How, about a, how about a light <laughs> jog? I mean, if if that's all you can do, Chris, and you want to get away as fast as you can, I'm, I'm all for it. I didn't say I wanted to get away. I just wanted to think about it. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to say, I'm going to postulate that the box office still has not recovered from COVID. I think you do have a lot of second and third order effects, which are keeping people from going to the box office. I think there were a couple of smash hits this year, uh, two, three, four. We'll talk about them later. But I think for the whole, for the most part, people are not just clamoring to get back to the movie theaters for a lot of different reasons. Also, one of the reasons is I think there's so much content to catch up on still, despite the pandemic. There's just been a proliferation of media over the last 10, 20 years that people still have not caught up with. Let's just talk about the number of movies per year. I went back and I caught a couple of websites and I caught everything in five-year increments. I started in 1975. There were 111 movies released to theaters, according to the-numbers.com. 111 in 1975. In 1980, five years later, there was 180. In 1985, there was 214. In 200, in 1990, there was 244. In 1995, there was 242. So about static there. But then in 2000, 371. 2005, 547. Slightly down in 2010, I think that's due to the, if you take a look at the graph, I think that's due to the depression in the 2007 to 2009 timeframe, 520 in 2010, but it recovered. In 2015, it was 708 and the apex was actually 2018, but before the pandemic is the last number we had 2019, 792 movies. That's that's 800 movies up from about 100 movies in 1975. That's just a lot of content for anybody to consume. You're not going to consume 800 movies in a year, right? And in 2023, this year, it's back down to 449. Some of it's pandemic related with the shooting. Some of it is because of inflation that cheap money is gone. Some of it is due to the strikes. But regardless, 449 movies in 2023. Still a lot to catch up on in the past 20 to 30 years, right? Now, streaming services, how much is out there? This is just an example for me. I'm not typical, I don't think, but it's the only thing I had to go on when I was preparing this. I didn't have time to poll Stephen and Chris on it. I have a total of 44 series that I have yet to watch that I want to. There's nine on Amazon Prime, six on Apple TV Plus, two on Disney Plus, despite watching all the Marvel stuff that I have to do with Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., seven on Hulu, five on Max, which I no longer have, and five on Netflix, four on Paramount Plus, one on the Peacock, and then one is a freebie, uh, Stargate Origins is on Pluto or Tubi. And there are all the purchase series that I have that I want to go through that I haven't seen yet, like Babylon 5, Farscape, Orphan Black, Andromeda, 
And I want to rewatch series like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Star Trek from TNG on out, Defiance, The Expanse, Cosmos, Warehouse 13. And that's not even including video games that I'd like to play like Mass Effect and Starfield and stuff like that. Replay some of the Halo stuff. So I have a dearth of entertainment content that I have not been able to get to. Why would I go out to a movie theater and watch movies when I have all this there? Coupled with that is the fact that the MCU hasn't all been stellar since Endgame. There have been, let me just count this really quick because I didn't do it before, what, uh, 12 movies, 13 movies, whatever, since Endgame. Out of that, only three are what I would consider to be above average. And that's Spider-Man Far From Home, Spider-Man No Way Home, and The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Y'all can debate me on it, but having covered all this stuff on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., that's my opinion. On the Disney Plus series, there's been a lot of series. We started off with WandaVision, and we've ended so far with Secret Invasion, and Loki just ended. But out of all that, I would say WandaVision and Hawkeye, maybe, maybe Loki, just because of the performances involved, and that's a whole other discussion. But that's three series out of all of them. And it's my opinion, granted. It's just my opinion, but it's just not that been good. So when you couple the MCU, I can watch it later on Disney Plus, all the stuff that you can catch up on over time, all the other things that you'd want to do, like video games. It's it's just not all that time run. And then I don't think it's the account. Well, let's stop, Chris. You have something to say. I have a couple more so, things. But a question I was thinking in regards to you were talking about waiting to see it on the streaming service. Yeah. Do you think Disney has hurt themselves by making Disney Plus more expensive that people are like, I need to get some bang for my buck, which kind of makes them then go, I'm just going to wait until this comes out on Disney Plus because I'm already paying a higher rate than I would like. So I'll watch it there instead of going to the movie theater. I'd love to see the average demographic of those who actually subscribe to Disney Plus. My guess, this is just a guess, it's probably more like families with younger kids. Okay. I'm just thinking, right? So if you have a family with younger kids, like Stephen, you have a family with two boys, younger boys, right? To take your family to a movie theater, I'll bet you it's going to be $100, $150. Canadian or American really doesn't matter. It's actually not because what I do is I take them to the movie theater, but I'm the only one that goes in. They have to wait in the car. <laughs> well, Steven gives them a trench coat and they have to ride shoulders, like sitting on each other's shoulders. So they just look <laughs> like one tall man with Steven. So he gets half price for his kids. You stole that from Hook, didn't you? <laughs> I stole that from all sorts of cartoons and stuff, too. Let's be honest here. Looky, looky, who's got a hooky? Yeah, I remember it's that. It's a TV trope. It, it, it definitely is. So, yeah, I, I think you might have something there, Chris. I think all of this is combining up to, you know, the movie theater is just not the experience that it was when we were growing up. It's so different. And if you do go... You're like me and you get annoyed with people crackling their candy or playing on their phones or making noise. Or if you're sensitive to this after the pandemic coughing, you'd be like, oh, mm. my gosh, I, I'm so uncomfortable doing this. And then you add in excellent home theater systems that you can just watch at home. Why don't you just stream it in 4K? It's not that much different than being in a movie theater, in my opinion. Yeah, I have 4K HDR Dolby Atmos at home. I'm good. I'm good. I don't have to deal with the a-holes at the movie theater. I think there's a couple points within what you just mentioned. Uh, you said the experience, and I think the experience for a while has been a need to miss spoilers. And that's been, I think, a, a bigger driving factor for moviegoers for a long time, especially with things like superhero movies where people wanted wanted to avoid that well then we were all forced to live in this weird and not a situation where there weren't movie theaters there were some movies coming out on streaming services and things like that and i think they've lost that drive to, to the, the must see now they don't have that now because people have fallen into this comfort of being like you know what i got by a couple of years with a couple spoilers here and there I think I can probably keep doing it. And so they don't feel that same drive anymore. So that experience is different now until they start to, to have big box office draws. Then you might start to, to see that happen. And I think that, you know, the, 
the Barbenheimer was a great example of that. And and that's not necessarily spoiler, but that's from the the fact that people wanted to be in on that 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 experience. They wanted to see it now. That sort of thing was existing where where it was creating this experience that people wanted to enjoy it together, be a part of. And you're not getting that in Marvel right now. People are comfortable waiting until it comes out later and and getting a couple spoilers. So I was thinking that, well, you know, the economy might actually be causing this because, you know, I don't want to necessarily go to the movie theaters, although I was thinking about it, I have three times so far this year. I don't necessarily want to go, but I mean, I'll go if it's fun and if it's worth it and that sort of thing. But then I started thinking, okay, what else can I gauge this on? So totally unscientific, but I was just thinking the NFL's not affected. I keep on seeing packed stadiums. People are paying the ticket price to go. People are paying for Sunday ticket. People are paying for red zone. That's not affected. The NHL isn't affected. Losing teams like the Minnesota Wild. Yeah, they're still getting the big bucks, right? So I went to box office mojo just to take a look at the top movies for this year. They're still doing okay. Barbie at $1.4 billion worldwide. Super Mario Brothers movie at number two with $1.3 billion this year. Oppenheimer coming in just under a billion dollars. And by the way, Barbie and Oppenheimer debuted the same day. So that's $2.5 billion between them, right? Gardens of the Galaxy at $845 million. Fast X at $700 million. So yeah, these might be a little lower than normal, but they're still not small. They're big budget films, but they're still not small in the revenue of it. You have to go all the way down past John Wick for, I'd say uh, Dungeons and Dragons did okay at $208 million, in my opinion. I'd say about after that at 21, <laughs> Taylor Swift, the heiress tour, I just saw that at $240 million. Um, but I, I'd go... With the Flash, I guess the Flash was a flop at $270 million, but there are whole other reasons dealing with that. So just on the economic value alone, I think the box office would be okay if they had a decent product, but you have to draw the people out. You have to have something that's unique and special, and you're just not getting it. Yeah, I agree. And there's been a bunch of chat in our chat room, which if you didn't know this, we stream live um, to getageek.com slash live when we do record. And there's a lot of good theories back and forth. And um, I also think that there was a promotion aspect with this that was a lack of active promotion compared to what we used to see. You know, back with the Marvel movies in the day, you had promotion from other movies. Other movies were leading into that. That was part of it. But you also had the big promo campaigns as well. And yes, that in involved the things like the interviews and the, the things that have been been st were struck work up until uh, a week ago. But um, I'm also talking about the insane commercial campaigns. You couldn't get away from it. You know, movie theaters had uh, had um, posters way leading up and things like that. And and I don't feel like the campaigns are as strong right now. And then the other promo side of it is the fact that really two out of three of these characters are from Disney Plus, And that's not a huge bit built in promotion. Like you could go and if you had created a Loki movie based off the TV show, I think you would have a little you would have more inherent promotion based off of that than you did with this because there is promotion and the aspect that people want to continue to see a character that they they enjoyed in a previous version of Marvel. The reality is two out of three of these characters have have never seen the screen. And for a lot of people, three out of three of these characters aren't ones that they have been passionate about. So I think that there, you know, it's just more speaks to the state of Marvel than anything. Well, one of the characters, the last time you saw her was in early 2020 with WandaVision. That's the last time you saw her. And then you were able to see Ms. Marvel here closer. So maybe there's some of yeah. that. But Ms. Marvel but wasn't exactly marketed to all Marvel fans. It was more of a younger fan. I think they're they're mixing and matching. And I, I know why they're doing it because of an unstated upcoming project. But it's just 
not being you're right it's just not being marketed right having to watch disney plus shows to know what's going on in the movies is a harder sell right now especially as disney plus gets more expensive and especially as there's more opportunities to watch stuff and especially when secret invasion was poop that doesn't help either but like ms marvel is a great show but there's a lot of people that didn't watch it so they watched these trailers like okay i recognize carol who are these other two people so either they go watch disney plus go read wikipedia articles or go in there blind and i've seen plenty of instances on the reddits where people were talking about that hey i went to go see this movie and as i was walking out people were like man i really like ms marvel i need to go check out her show now so there might be some carryover that gets people to check out these properties it's just it's a tough sell in that regard where when you look at phase one and two, it was, hey, to understand what's going on, watch the other movies. Oh, wait Versus a minute. Wait now, a minute. It, now it's watch six Marvel series to know what's going on, plus all the movies. Wait a minute. Carol is the one from all those Nissan commercials. She's got a good show on Apple TV Plus right now, too, supposedly. It's I can't remember the name YouTube of it. YouTube channel, too. Mm-hmm. There's also secondary reasons that we won't get into the dark side of the internet, but there's an odd passionate hatred for this movie and for one of the stars in it that i don't understand yeah i wanted to get way away from that and that's why i went down other analytic paths of maybe why this happened versus going down that path because i do think that these impacted the box office especially this time here. i think they all did i think also the weird vitriol for it seen online, whether we want to admit it or not, impacts the box office too. I I think that with there there probably is not a lot of draw to these particular characters. I think that that is a legitimate reason. Fair too. That that it's okay for people not to be into characters, and I I'm not say saying that the people we're referring to right now are all them. No, there's a good percentage that are not, but. I think it's important to acknowledge there are legitimately people that go, none of these characters interest me. I mean, For- let's be honest. The most recent Marvel movies, we've got Ant-Man. We've got the Marvels. We've got stuff I'm not remembering, but we're not talking like the S-tier Marvel characters. And yes, I know you can make the argument that when Iron Man came out, Iron Man wasn't an S-tier character, but Robert Downey Jr. kind of made him into one. And they took a lot of the other big names of the MCU and excuse me, Marvel Comics and built the comics around them. We're talking about characters now that, yes, while there's a great chunk of the comic fandom that may enjoy them, it's, it's not quite the same. You don't have as many people going like, man, I loved Captain Marvel when I was a kid. I need to go see that movie. And I'm not saying that disparagingly. It's just because of how those characters were presented when we were kids. They're not exactly top shelf characters that you'd want to emulate because of the typical tropes they had with leading ladies and stuff like that in comics at the time. It's a tougher sell. Well, let's go down the list, Chris, because I, I just want to be on the record here. The movies since Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home. You have Spider-Man. That's an A-shelf character, right? The next one was Black Widow. And I mean, there's a whole bunch of things that went on with that movie. You had It was the first movie released during the pandemic. You had a character whose run was over that was starring in it. You did have the evolution of a couple more characters that came in, but, you know, not a shelf characters right there. Shang-Chi and the Legends of the Ten Rings, brand new character, uh, Eternals, brand new characters. And actually, the one character that they wanted to not have in the movie is the one that everybody was like, or not have available after the movie was the one I'm glad they kept because it is an amazing performance that she put on. Then the next one is Spider-Man No Way Home. So of those first five movies, you have one A-list character twice. (laughs) Then you have Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Badness. One A-list character there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Wong is in it, so sure. Then you get Thor Love and Thunder. Not the best Thor movie. You had Thor, but it wasn't the best Thor movie. So, okay. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That one would have been excellent had, uh, you know, the unfortunate not happen. But it did. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Eh. Guardians of the Galaxy. That was good. Unfortunately, the team is now disbanded. That's all known. You will see Star-Lord again, but the team is disbanded. And then the Marvels. So you really only had maybe four movies with a-list characters in it 
Yeah, I think uh, Suncast nailed it here in the chat. He said, uh, I do think Disney is going to have to definitely do an autopsy. And I, I agree. I think that they've they've been very fractured. Um, and it is very different than the fracture that many other entertainment um, industries were or uh, entertainment properties were affected. Because, you know, we have to acknowledge that the the fracture all officially started during the pandemic that was when we first started to have some some things where we felt like things weren't right with with the marvel universe and and some of that probably was dates being moved and delayed and things like that but a lot of other properties have recovered and you know the point here that that was brought up in the chat as well about your your two out of three of your standout movies were sony movies like yeah disney has to acknowledge that they're the outlier here and I hope they can do something to bring it back. Because I didn't see every Marvel movie in the theater, but I did see a fair amount. And I, in any case, I was really enjoying it. And for me, I haven't felt the need myself to get into the theater to see any of these Marvel movies. Well, you had a change in strategy was part of it. Because when Bob Chapek took over as CEO, part of their plan was, we want to get as many eyes on Disney Plus as possible. So we're in green light, 10,000 different shows. And we're not going to run our shows like a traditional television show. And we've heard the stories that came out of the Daredevil set where they basically just threw out the first half season of Daredevil they filmed. And they're restarting doing things like, I don't know, having a showrunner to take care of a program, <laughs> to, to be in charge of it. Shocking. No joke. There was no showrunner for Daredevil. And there's no showrunner for Loki. Well, yes and no. The lead writer kind of was running everything, so that worked out well. I I think what happened on stated was Tom Hiddleston was the showrunner, but they just also couldn't true. say it. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of things that are changing. Bob Iger came back in and said, well, we've got way too many different pieces in midair, and they've started narrowing down things, cleaning out some of that stuff. So I think we're going to see things narrow down. The problem is there's just so much stuff that was already in the pipe. They can't stop it. Like You've got to think they're taking a big hit by throwing away half of their daredevil season that they'd already filmed and side note if the spoilers are true for what that was thank god they threw that crap out because it was bad it was really bad i.e charlie cox wasn't wearing the daredevil suit what i didn't hear about these really oh, oh yeah. so so the one rumor that i heard that picked up the most steam that a few places reported was it starts with matt murdoch working for another law firm having stopped being daredevil because Foggy and Karen got killed and he was too busy out being Daredevil to help them. So he hung up the suit and was trying to do well by, you know, just being a lawyer. And that's why Foggy and Karen weren't in the show because they killed him off site and uh, then used that to take him away from being Daredevil. Okay. And it was a lawyer show. It was yeah, just him being a lawyer. And I was like, this isn't what we want. <laughs> here's the other thing that I, I've ranted about a thousand times, which is the recent need to kill off all characters that are enjoyed for no good reason. It keeps happening over and over and over. And there's another example. They just killed off two characters that people like. So anyways, really, really glad that you brought this up, SP. Glad that you did all this uh, digging up and comparing because I think that it really frames how broken Marvel is right now. So thank you. Yeah, you bet. I, I know that they're, they're trying to right the ship. I mean, there was the firing of Victoria Alonso earlier this year, or whatever you want to call it, the, the, the mutual departure or whatever. I think some of it was scapegoat. Some of it might have been legitimate. I don't know. I, I'm not privy to the inner workings of Marvel or Disney, but they realized they have a problem and they were trying to fix it. So I don't know. We'll see if they do fix it next year because they got to start making some money pretty soon. As someone who's caught some of the spoilers for what's coming out of Ms. Marvel in the post credit scene and some of the spoilers about what may or may not be in Deadpool and things that are coming up, there's some interesting stuff coming up if even half that stuff is true. Right. And, and just for the record, I want to say Captain Marvel is actually one of my favorite Marvel characters. So I'm, I'm not in that camp that you've been talking about. Mm. I'm in the other camp, but I didn't want to go down there. I, I wanted to look at other contributing factors. No, that's fair. As I said before. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to make my news point super quick because we're running long here. But I something I wanted to mention. Uh, whoops. Apparently in a legal proceeding. Google accidentally had a, their, their own witness spill the amount of um, 
the deal that exists between them and Apple as far as the cut that Apple gets for making Google the default browser on Safari. Yeah, apparently there's this lawsuit going on and a witness accidentally blurted out that Apple gets a 36% cut of the search advertising revenue from Safari to keep the search engine default to Google. So yeah, no, I just thought that was interesting. You know, there's been speculation. They actually, from the legal proceedings perspective, apparently they both agreed that they wanted to, you know, like keep this out of it. But whoops, things come out sometimes. So 36%. And um, yeah, I think that goes to show you that um, whether you think that companies have your privacy in mind or not, money talks. (laughs) It's all about the data. It's the data that they're getting from the searches. Yeah, this this news should surprise no one. People who are acting surprised about that fact are not being honest with themselves. If they're <laughs> like, oh, I can't believe that they would give them a sta- a share of this to make sure it's the default. Come on. You're right. Come on. All right. Tell us about your news point. You said Amazon was going to ditch Android. Yes, I'll make this one quick. But if you are on the Gunna Geek Discord, you already saw where we brought this up. But there is a report coming out that Amazon is developing a new operating system to power its hardware portfolio. Instead of the current Fire OS, which is a forked version of Android, they'll be uh, putting out their new OS called Vega, which is an early stage of development being tested. The question is, uh, why is Amazon doing this when they can just keep forking Android? Well, that's a problem for them because they have to fork it, then do their work. So let's do a comparison right now. If you go and buy the top tier Fire device, the Fire OS 7 device, it's forked off of Android 9 from 2018. You go to the store and buy a Google Pixel Android tablet, it's based off of Android 14. That's why. They want to be able to keep pace. They want to not be dependent on Google and open source Android. And in theory, they can also then just tailor their OS to do all the things they want to do versus inheriting a bunch of stuff that Android does or has the ability to do that they don't need. So They're going to yank it and they're no longer going to support it at some point going forward on all their Fire devices. For me, it's kind of a disqualifier because why I liked Fire TV sticks and things like that was because I could sideload any Android app on it very easily. Meaning, oh, I can't get this app very easily on my Apple TV or something like that. Just toss it on my Fire TV stick, call it a day. Yeah, I think this very much speaks to what they want as their consumer base. They've decided we want the consumers that that want to use it for our specific services, for our specific um, idea of what people are going to want. And we're okay with losing the people to to things like the Google TV or the Google the Google TVs. Yeah, TVs that have the Google TV software or the Chromecast with Google TV they're okay with losing those customers. I think that this just a decision's been made and I think it will probably work out for them in the end. It's Android. You guys know Android better than I do. I'm more entrenched in the iOS uh, architecture based on family considerations. So I actually just go to you guys for thoughts on Android. As far as the Fire TV stick, I'm more of a Roku guy. I don't know necessarily why I've been sticking with Roku other than fire tv but i have so i mean there's that and then as far as everything else like i i just the ios i guess wins over android for me all right let's go to the last news point here which you said that there is a date possibly for starship what yeah, guys, I need to take the next two and a half hours to discuss this whole thing because <laughs> it's, it's very complicated. It's rocket science after all, right? Uh, no, uh, since we recorded last, I actually listened to the last episode to make sure that it wasn't going to be covering anything new or anything. Basically, nothing has changed. They're still waiting for the launch license, which is the Fish and Wild Game service. Their uh, study and, and their approval is necessary to move forward. Uh, SpaceX has not only said that they're ready to go, but they put the flight termination system on ship 25 and booster nine, meaning they are ready to go. The termination systems can only be certified for so long before they have to remove them and then replace them. So this is actually important. They think that they're going to launch. They're saying not earlier than this Friday, the 17th of November. 
You guys might be aware of certain political things in the United States, one of which happens to affect this. It is called the looming shutdown of the government. What would that mean towards this launch? Actually, quite a bit. Even though this is a private company, they're getting an awful lot of government support, which may or may not include me. And (laughs) it does matter. Some of these government organizations might not necessarily have the approvals to continue to work after the 17th if there is no continuing resolution or budgets passed. So the 17th could be a hard date, could be the 17th or like months down the road. So I think SpaceX is really pushing the government to make this happen. They do have notices and closures and potential dates, the 17th, 18th, and 19th. That is their window that they're seeing right now. So the next time we come back in January, this could be a done deal. We could still be waiting for the Fish and Wild Game Service to come back with their assessment. I don't know, uh, but odds are, be pay attention. If you like what, watching big rockets launch and potentially fail, this Friday might be a big date for you. I still don't understand why these space fish are ha- causing a holdup here. I don't get it. Yeah, you know, I was postulating with somebody on the team today that, uh, you know, if this is problems, I can't wait to see the problems with the Fish and Wild Game Service on Mars getting their approval. <laughs> uh, it's funny because that's a regional reference to another planet. Ah. All right, well, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for another episode of the Official Gonna Geek Show. We are at the end of the show. But before we do wrap up, it is our last of the of the year. So I just want to remind everybody that we are taking December off for this show. Um, SP and I are also taking uh, December off for better podcasting. But Chris Farrell has the All Things Good and Nerdy podcast where you can hear other nerdy and all things over there. So you can check that out. Do you have any plans for December? What, what's going on over there? Filthy bleep and language. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, not, not really. I uh, will probably keep doing things on Sundays because of some issues that I've had here. I've been Bob Barkering things locally from my mm. couch using a Chromebook in my AT2005 mic and some Bluetooth headphones. It's worked surprisingly well so far. So just uh, stay tuned. I meant to tell you, I saw that you called uh, one of your episodes bar- Barkering It. Did you Google? I feel like you had a past episode where you called it the same thing because of Willie. Would it surprise me? Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, do I Google all 500 episode titles of the show to make sure they're not the same? No, it's an Easter egg. If, if I find out they're the same, someone let me know. I'll send you your uh, official no prize, much like Stan Lee would send out. In, in all fairness, I was too lazy to Google it when I had that idea, but... <laughs> I mean, let me, I'll do a quick Google search. Uh, How about Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D.? What's going on over there, SB? There is one episode left this year, and that's us covering the Marvels this Saturday. Lauren's back because the SAG after strike. Unfortunately, we didn't have time to cover it tonight, but the SAG after strike is over. At least the work stoppage is over. And Lauren is therefore free to come back. She joined us for the Loki finale. She was Googling over that or goggling or whatever she was she was fan girling out over it and then we are going to cover the marvels and that will be it for 2023 i've left the door open for the rest of the team to record episodes but they've said they're going to wait to january so we'll cover what if and echo starting in january of 2024 see i left a year in there i like it uh steven can't confirm only one episode has the words bob barker in it on the atgn feed okay what about bob barkering (laughs) <laughs> well i mean bob barker gave me the bob barkering it title that i had so okay fair enough well i was wrong as usual you get no no prize and you'll like it. that's okay so thanks everybody who has watched our show for this year i know we've been all over the place i think this is our first full year of the monthly format and uh I think we mostly held to it. We we missed one month, maybe, uh, maybe two. But it was it was a lot of fun. Thanks, everybody, who continued to come to our live stream. And we do look forward to being back in 2024. So, well, in theory, 2024. For episode number 407 of the official Gundy Geek Show, I'm Steven saying Boca Chica. 
Boca chica, boca chica, boca chica. See everybody next year. Thank you so much for staying with us and check out all the other shows on the guineageek.com network. I'm Chris, and I'll see you in 2025. In Boca Chica? Sure, why not? Meet up. <laughs> Bye. See ya. checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show if you like the show please give us a five-star review in apple podcasts or a thumbs up on youtube you can always join us for our live recording sessions at www.geeks.live and remember you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show if you're itching for more geeky content check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind Podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next show. 